All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to have you. Good to be here. I'm glad I finally got here. I, I was scheduled, what, a year ago, and COVID hit. And uh, that Sunday, actually, that exact Sunday, and I didn't get to come to your meeting, but I'm here. So, uh, again, it's great to be in this church once again. And do want to thank you again for inviting us. Thank you so much. I, I'm going to share a little bit uh, of different things tonight. Uh, my my story is a little bit different uh, than a lot of, a lot of people. Uh, my wife and I, uh, she's with us tonight. Uh, we were missionaries in Scotland for nearly 20 years, and we actually had to come off the mission field uh, because we had 14 of our supporting churches closed down, and eventually ended up being 17. And uh, we uh, came back at the end of 2015. And we basically thought that we were going to raise that support and just head back to Scotland uh, to start our fourth church. And that never happened. And the support just did not come in. And so we were devastated, uh, to say the least. And my pastor talked to me, and he, he kind of wanted to know just how things were gone. And I said, Pastor, we, we've gained two churches, but I, I've lost three more. And... Uh, I, and he, he just looked at me and he said, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I just think God's moving you in another direction. And I tell you, that was so hard. I can't even begin to tell you the pain that my wife and I went through. And uh, we, we loved Scotland. We loved everything about it. We loved the people. We, we loved the churches that we started. And to have to come off the field, I, I'm just going to tell you, it was one of the hardest things that we've ever had to do in our life. It, it was just gut-wrenching. And um, it took us a little bit to figure out exactly what we were going to do. And the head of our mission board got a hold of us and said, Brother Barry, um, we have been praying for a long time for somebody to come off the field and to take care of a responsibility for our missionaries and helping our office to raise funds and helping to raise uh, missionary uh, funds for their projects. And so it, it was kind of neat in a way because my, my wife and I, we love to travel. You know, mo most missionaries come off the field, oh, we hate traveling around. A my wife and I loved it. Uh, we, we couldn't wait to get off, uh, you know, come back and then travel to the churches. And, and so it kind of fit with us really well. And so what we do, we, we travel around raising support uh, for missionary projects. Our mission board is Bema out of Columbus, Ohio, and so we're not too far away. We live in Mansfield, so it's only an hour uh, down to the office. And uh, God has been so good to us, and it's just, it has just been, you can't even fathom the things that God ha has done for us and uh, help us raising uh, funds for our missionaries. And also, we've had uh, opportunities to help out some churches along the way. In fact, this guy over here is a pastor one of the churches that uh, we have uh, helped find a pastor for. And, uh, and, uh, and again, God, God's just been good to us. I want to share some of these things with you today. If you could go ahead and put our mug shots up there. Uh, appreciate it. That's uh, my wife and I. My name is Barry again. Uh, this is my wife, Denise. And go ahead to the next one, if you would. Uh, Bema has 144 missionaries in 26 countries. And uh, most of Bema's missionaries are national pastors, which means a pastor goes there, missionary goes to the field, leads people to the Lord, 
And those individuals, uh, you know, some come up, raise up through uh, the church and become pastors. And so we have most of our missionaries are national pastors, uh, which, uh, and I'll show you here in a little bit, a lot of them don't speak any English whatsoever. And so that, you'll, you'll see the importance of that here in a little bit. Uh, our mission board does not take a percentage of any of the missionaries' support. Uh, a lot of mission boards take 5, 10, 15, even as much as 20%. Um, but uh, it, with BEMA, the missionaries keep all of their support and nothing is given to the office. And so our office is funded by donations from people just like you. Okay? We go ahead and go to the next one. I, I was trying to figure out when they asked me to do this job, how am I going to raise money, number one, and, and what's this look like? Okay, I had absolutely no idea how this was even going to work. And we had a, a BEMA conference in 2000, and I believe it was 2017. And this, young, this uh, gentleman here is a missionary in Haiti. His name is Osant Dupree. And uh, I just got done speaking at the conference, and this gentleman comes up to me. Doesn't speak any English. But his heart is so heavy. And he has just tears streaming down his face. And he, he's trying to communicate with me. I, I just can't understand him. And, and I, I just told him, I said, Sir, I'm so sorry. I, I do not understand what you're trying to say. English, very, very broken. And, and, and I, I was really heartbroken because I could just see, you know, he was really burdened. But I actually found another guy that spoke the same language that was at that conference. And I said, listen, can you come interpret for me? And this gentleman said, in 2012, there was a bad earthquake in his area of Haiti. And his Christian school lost the roof. And he said, my students for the last five years have had no roof on their building. And he said, can you help me raise money to get a roof for our building? And in three months, we raised the money and he got a roof on his building. If you could go ahead to the next one. And that's what, if you've ever been to Haiti, I mean, that, that's a good roof. <laughs> and uh, we actually got, if you go to the next one as well, uh, that's his new roof. But let me explain this to you. You can't call this church and say, hey, listen, we had the roof uh, come off our uh, building. I, I need some money for it. He didn't speak English. Okay? He can't come here and present his need. But I do that for him. We have a number of missionaries, just like this gentleman right here, they cannot speak an ounce of English that we are just raising funds for. They have needs just like we have needs, amen? But just because he cannot speak English, he's centered in great... Anybody taught school here? I, I, I taught school. Can you imagine being without a roof for five years for your kids? Oh, good night. Amen? Can you imagine that? And so we were able to do this for him. 
you go on to the next one. This is some of the things I'm working on right now. This is uh, Javon Sebastian, and this is uh, wife, uh, Sangeeta, and they're missionaries in India. And if you go to the next one, they had severe flooding uh, at the last part of 2020. And you can just see, uh, I mean, that's some serious flooding in their area of India. Now, if you just stop here for a second, their building was uh, greatly damaged. And, and so this is what the roof of their church building looked like. And there was just damage all over the, the church building. And so we've broken that down uh, basically into five different sections. At the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I was raising money to get this roof re uh, repaired, which cost about $20,000. If you go to the, the next one, uh, you can see the, the men working. How, how about the scaffolding up there, guys? Hello, right? <laughs> Who's brave enough to climb on that right now, okay? And uh, you can see the pictures on the other side as well. But anyway, as of right now, the roof is, is done. And uh, as of yesterday, uh, I started raising money for the baptistry. The baptistry was destroyed. The back wall, the foundation was destroyed as well. Uh, if you go on to the next slides, <coughs> and this is what uh, they are working on now. You can see the back wall is getting done. And, uh, and so that's the situation that they are in right now. If you go ahead and go through a couple of these. This is Hani Deco. He's a missionary in Lebanon. And uh, we've been helping him quite a bit, especially last year. Uh, they have a lot of uh, Syrian refugees coming through uh, Beirut. And he really had a burden for a lot of these kids because for basically three years, uh, he, he's met some three, four years that haven't even been in school yet. They've been wandering around with their, their parents and haven't had education whatsoever. And so we have uh, helped him establish a Christian school uh, that is his wife teaching some of the kids there, and uh, we, we have done that for them. This was actually their first day of school, I believe it was last year, and so we, we uh, helped raise money to uh, give them uh, textbooks and things along this line, uh, learning materials, and so uh, we've been helping them. Also, he does his very best to feed these people. Uh, they have no food, and so he feeds the children a breakfast, lunch, and, and gives them something to take home uh, for supper. And so we help them with that. And there you can see some of the boxes of cereal uh, that has come in for the children. That's Hani there on the right-hand side. And so uh, we, we've helped him out as much as we can. And uh, this is a church building that he has. And this, this here is something like Vacation Bible School, something along that line uh, in his church that he held uh, uh, before COVID hit. Uh, last year. You go ahead and go through some others here. Uh, this is John, John Mark Desiree. Uh, he is also a pastor in Haiti in, in Port-au-Prince. Uh, this is his church. Uh, they, they run uh, well over a thousand people in this church. He has a, a Christian school of, of 700 uh, in this uh, church building. I want you to stop there for a second if you would. So he has a, a Christian school 700 in the church building. He has an, a, another Christian school outside of town that has about 200 kids. And uh, he is building a new school at, at the main church. And he is currently, they are currently 
doing the classrooms on the third floor right now, and I've been helping him with that. But if you take a look at these children, where they are sitting, they, they are sitting at a desk that is nothing, it's basically about a two by, maybe two by 12, and these boards are stacked on, uh, what do you call them, uh, blocks, and this is their desk, okay? And so what I have done basically in the last three years, I got basically half the students' desk now. And so I'm very thankful for that. And uh, we're trying to get uh, money for desks for the rest of the children, also trying to help him with the, the Christian school. Uh, but John Mark, he, he is a great man, a great man of God. And uh, they have a clinic, a medical clinic. His wife is a doctor. And so they do an awful lot. I've had three trips scheduled to go down there. And just because of the chaos, I haven't been able to get down. Uh, they, they are in riots, and they have everything going on, just the corruption from the government. But again, you can see some of the deaths there as well. So I, I've been helping with that. If you can go ahead to, to the next one. Uh, that is uh, part of the roof being built on the third floor of that uh, Christian school. Okay? Uh, this is a Tabor family in Costa Rica. Brother Mike, uh, his father is on the board of uh, BEMA, and Brother Mike grew up as a missionary kid there in, in Costa Rica, and this is his family. Uh, they have a church. They're basically helping out uh, his dad quite a bit. Uh, they have, I, I don't know how many schools there and churches that they have started, but if you go through uh, some of the next one, uh, this is one of the graduations uh, for the college. This is a church that has started down there. Uh, one of the churches that they have started. And if you go ahead to the next one, this is their, um, this is their orphanage. This is Casa de Pan, uh, the House of Bread. And uh, what we are doing right now, we are help, helping raising funds uh, to help them with a van to get the kids from the orphanage to the Christian school and also to church. So be in prayer for that, and we're pretty close to getting that uh, taken care of. Uh, this is Bronko and Rada Bihovic, and they are in Serbia. And if you go ahead and go to the next one, <clears throat> they run camps uh, every summer. And what we did uh, last year was help renovate all the uh, dormitories, make them handicap accessible. And so we raised money for that, uh, and they had the, the largest camp that they ever had. They, they run four different camps. Uh, basically through the month of August. And uh, so we, we are very fortunate that we were able to help uh, them with that. And what I was uh, doing last year and I'll be doing here uh, within a couple of months is raising money uh, to buy uh, bunk beds just like this one here. And you can see all the dorms are renovated, uh, new drywall, flooring, and so forth. And um, uh, again, uh, this family here, is in uh, the Philippines, and this is Calvin Hauser and his uh, daughter, uh, daughter, his wife Mindy. If you go to the next one, uh, they uh, purchased this building uh, downtown Manila, and we have been helping them uh, financially be able to remodel that, and we've been doing that basically for two years. And if you go on to some, uh, they are finally finished with all this, so we thank God for that. So this. This uh, work is co uh, completely finished, and uh, you can see them having uh, services there in this building. 
you go ahead. This is Ed, Edgar Caballero. Also been helping him quite a bit, and and I've been helping him. If you go to the next slide, uh, that's his uh, father-in-law on the far right, and he he has been in the ministry. I'm I'm thinking almost 60 years uh, in Mexico. Great great man of God. Anyway, we were helping them with one of their churches as well that they have planted. They have a church in every, uh, I guess they, they call them states there in Mexico, and so they have a church there. And this is one of the camps uh, that they have for the children, uh, young people there as well. Uh, this is a uh, missionary on the right-hand side there. Uh, his name is Dan Farrell, and this is the Hudson's Children Home. Uh, this is in Myanmar. What this gentleman does, he goes through a lot of the countries in the Far East and training uh, pastors, uh, those that are, are wanting to go into the full-time ministry, helping pastor, pastor wives and so forth. And um, he got stuck, I, I don't know for how long. Every country over there, Vietnam, Cambodia, kept him in uh, quarantine for two weeks at a time. And so he, he had a really long trip over there. He wasn't expecting that, but every airport he went to, he got quarantined. Uh, so he does a great work there, and we, we help out the orphanage quite a bit because they didn't have any help whatsoever. Anyway, uh, go on through the next ones, if you would, here. And again, giving to Bema. Bema is uh, 4744 Winchester Pike, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, you can also find us at uh, www.bemamissions.org. And just hit the do uh, donation, donate button and specify who your donation is for. Now... In light of all of that, you need to listen. You have a responsibility here first to this church. Okay? You need to take care of your pastors. You need to take care of your own missionaries. We understand that before you ever give to Bema. But if you have any money left over whatsoever, I'll take it. Okay? Fair enough and to help out uh, these missionaries. And, and I tell you what, God has been so good. It has just been so humbling to see everything that God has done. The, the little gentleman in the very beginning there that we built the roof uh, for his Christian school, they had another earthquake down there when we had a hurricane that went up through Florida there, and his house was destroyed. And basically a week, uh, God just graciously uh, supplied about $20,000 to build him a new home. And, and God just does things like that all the time. And, and it was funny. I was with my dad. Hadn't seen my father for a little bit. And I was in the car car with him. He, he was gone to a couple of doctor's appointments. And like the whole time, I had people calling me and say, hey, did you raise the money for that missionary? I said, no. And people were saying, well, I'll give you $1,000. And somebody said, oh, I'll give you 5000 And I finally got a lady at, at the very end said, how much do you need yet? And I, I said, well, you know, I need X amount. She goes, it's covered. I'll send you a check tomorrow. It, and it's just like that. It's just like that. And uh, it's unreal. And you, you guys know all about that. And it's just a wonderful experience uh, to see God do all these things. And again, it's just so humbling. And we're just glad to be a part of it. We really are. Uh, we're, we're having a blast, aren't we? We are really having a blast uh, doing this. And God, God has been so good and so kind. That's a little of my background. Let's go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles, chapter seven.
Second Chronicles chapter 7. Very familiar portion of Scripture. I like to be honest. And I think if we were honest, we would say we have miserably failed with the Great Commission. Okay? Let's just be honest. We've miserably failed. One of the reasons why we have failed is because this, this nation's got so far away from God. We're a long way. Being honest. In Scotland for 20 years and coming back here to the United States, I can't believe what's happened here in such a short period of time. I cannot believe it. We've gotten so far away from the things of God. The spiritual level, brother, has dropped. Oh, it's unreal. I'd like to read this to you. We know it. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. If. <laughs> Interesting little word, isn't it? If. Either we will listen, or we may not. If. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this night that You've given us, for this opportunity to be here. We thank You for those that are with us tonight. And Father, we do pray if there's any here lost without Jesus. Father, we pray they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. And Father, we pray for Your people, God's people. Father, I just do pray, God, that You work in all of our hearts. Father, help us to be the Christians that we need to be. Father, I just do pray, God, that You make us Christians that we have to be to reach this lost world for Jesus Christ. Father, may we turn to you. Our only hope is to turn to you. Father, may we repent of where we have traveled down a road we shouldn't be on. God, I just do pray for this nation, for our churches. God, may we be the nation that we have to be for your honor and glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 200 years ago, Scotland, the nation my wife and I were missionaries 20 years. At. They sent the gospel out all over the world. It was them, the Scottish people. Robert Moffat to Africa. Go ahead. David Livingston to Africa. Mary Schlesser, the little Dundee girl, to Africa as well. John Anderson to India. John G. Patton to the New Hebrides. Eric Lytle, Olympic champion, champion of the faith. His entire family was missionaries in China. Paisley, the town that God called us to, 
at one time was the largest city in Scotland. It is believed to be the eighth wealthiest city in the world. They had a weaving industry, including shawls. There were thread mills. There were textile mills. There were four shipyards. There was food manufacturing. There was a great spiritual history in Paisley. Town was filled with churches. Paisley model was, Lord, let Paisley flourish by the preaching of the word. Great churches were built. This is Coates Memorial. If you go back to that last one, that was Coates Memorial. Uh, some of you ladies who do cross stitching, Coates, Clark Thread. Uh, this is the Coates Memorial. It's the largest Baptist cathedral in all of Europe. This, this picture does no justice. I'm messing you up bad up there, but you're doing okay. And these are some of the churches in Paisley. You can go ahead and go through these then. Beautiful architecture, just stunning on the inside. And at that time, they were filled with people. I'm not talking 30, 40 people. Many of these churches had memberships, five, 600,000. And that Coast Memorial, if you'll stop right there, had over 1,000 people in it. Today is very little to remind you of that history. Very little. This church right here closed down right before we left Scotland. Ronald Reagan's maternal grandparents are buried in this cemetery here in Scotland. He visited their gravesite. I was walking our, our dog just on the other side of this church. What they're doing with a lot of these church buildings are turning them into apartments, or they call them uh, flats over there. And there was a sign that said, Come live where God used to live. Can you imagine that? Come live where God used to live. People ask me all the time what, ha what happened to Scotland. How did it fall so quick? What happened to Scotland is the same thing that is happening in this country. And don't doubt me for a second. We are on the same path that they went down. They got wealthy in this particular town. There's very little to remind you of their spiritual history, and there's very little to remind you of the wealth that that city had. I had 17 of my churches closed down while I was on the mission field supporting churches. And what I see week after week would probably shock you if I had tell you what the church ran before I left for Scotland. Most of our supporting churches ran between 250, 350 people. Almost every single one of them are under 100. Many of them are barely surviving, keeping their lights on. I've been in churches where this one church down in the Dayton area had 700 people, brother. 700 people 
And I was so excited, they called me and asked if I could come back. And my wife and I were, were excited. We went down there for a Sunday morning service. And it was 5 till 10. And there wasn't a car in the parking lot. I got the right day here, you know. A couple minutes after, at a clock, somebody came, opened the door. I walked up and I said, uh, is it, did I have the time wrong? Right? He said, no, everybody will be here eventually. A church of 700 people, I preached to the first two rows. That was all that was left of that church. And I can tell you story after story just like that. Story after story. You see, God did not owe Scotland anything, did He? He didn't owe Israel anything. He didn't owe Scotland anything. And He certainly doesn't owe us anything here in the United States. Verse 14 says, if the lousy politicians in Washington, D.C. ever get their act together. Is that what your Bible says? No, mine either. It says who? My people. Which are called by my name. Shall do the following. Humble themselves pray, seek my face, turn from their... What, what kind of ways is that? Wicked ways, it says, doesn't it? Yes, wicked. You see, we take a look at the sin that is in our life, we don't think it's any big deal. But God thinks otherwise. Because that sin nailed His Son to the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. He calls it wicked. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and He will do what? Heal their land. If we ever needed a healing, it's now. But I want to tell you, there's no, no house bill, Senate bill, that is ever going to straighten out this country. Only God can do it. I used to laugh at the politicians in Scotland because, man, that country was just a mess like you couldn't even imagine. And they kept on throwing all their money. Well, we're spending a billion pounds to sort out this problem. And I said, you might as well just flush that down the toilet. Because, my friend, it is not a political problem, not a social problem. It is a God problem. And until we get our hearts right with our God, we're going to face all sorts of problems. And may I so boldly say, because I've already kind of lived through this with Scotland, may I say, if you think this is bad right now, you put on your seatbelt and wait for what's coming. 
Because, my friend, this isn't even the tip of the iceberg. The things that I had to deal with in Scotland, you can't even imagine. Okay? You can't even imagine. You hear uh, uh, of all the depravity in this country. You just wait. You just wait. This is all going to get a lot worse before it gets better. If it ever does get better. We as God's people need to get serious about our relationship with God. And as it says here in the middle of verse 14, we have to humble ourselves. We have to pray, mean business with our God, and we need to seek His face. But I want you to listen to this. Less than 1% of God's people that attend churches just like this one. Less then 1% are in God's Word on a daily basis. Now, how do you think that one's going to work out? I want to read this for you. It is uh, a survey that I found. If I can find it. I was shocked about this. It was 2017. Unbelievably, I don't have it in here. Here it is. May 2017, America Culture and Faith Institute. In order to take the survey, you had to answer, how does one come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Okay? You had to answer that question first. If you got that question right and correct by Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary, what you need to do is understand you are a sinner. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You need to ask Him to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If you answered that correctly, you got to take the rest of the survey. Churches, just like this one. Ready for this? This is how ignorant we have become. These are kindergarten principles. 24% believe the Bible contains errors. 33% do not believe in the Genesis account of creation. 42% do not believe Satan exists. 48% do not believe Jesus was sinless. 54% do not even read their Bibles. 57% do not believe in the Holy Spirit. Even answering the question correctly how one can go to heaven, the only way, 63% still say, believe you can earn your way, to, way into heaven. 66% do not believe they have a responsibility to share their faith. Churches like this one. Tell me, isn't that shocking? Not really. I don't think it's shocking at all. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. We are in serious trouble in this country. Serious trouble. 
we do not get our hearts right, we are going to lose everything. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, a lot of times I go to, I go to churches. I, I, Scotland is about 15 years ahead of America. And so, again, some of the things that you're seeing right now, I've already witnessed. So it's kind of like deja vu for me. And I had I was talking about how we are going to be censored. I was talking about this about seven or eight years ago in a church, and somebody go, "How are they going to do that?" I said, "Watch." Hmm. Huh. Imagine that. Want to know what's going to take place next? Your children. Are you listening? children. Right before I left Scotland, I went into one of the public schools. Every child in that school was bowing down to Allah. Every single one of them. Because, you know, you have to understand where they're coming from. We have to accept them into our culture and make them feel comfortable in our country. Want to know what else is coming? They voted on this in Scotland as well. It failed, but amazingly, it was on the ballot. That You have no right as a parent, no right as a parent, Take your kid to church. Teach them anything about the things of God. You have to let them make their own decision about that. You cannot make them go to church. You can't make them do anything. Our little grandson is over in Scotland. Asked to have a care worker appointed by the state. about that it's coming and we're going down our merry little way thinking everything's okay and really just how bad can it get it's going to get really bad really bad you just wait I watched a country, and I, I love Scotland. We love the people of Scotland. You can't even fathom what's happening there. This is my country. You see the same thing that is happening here. Oh, my. Put up the quote of Abraham Lincoln for me. Abraham Lincoln said, We have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. But we have 
forgotten God. We have forgotten His gracious hand which preserved us in peace, multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. I love this next line. And have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Isn't that great? April 30th, 1863. Put the next one up. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, More than half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people after the following, offer the following uh, explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all of this has happened. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat and have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Alexander Solzhenitsyn Templeton Address, 1983. We all know verse 14 in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Well, let's go down to verse 19. <laughs> Another couple of interesting words. But if turn away. So that means these people didn't do what? They didn't listen, did they? They Turned away from their God. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given unto them in this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he will say, Why have the Lord done this unto this land, and unto this house? I can't even begin to tell you the number of these churches that I've been to, and I just ask myself the question, what happened here? And as I travel around every weekend, and I remember what a particular church looked like 25 years ago, and I say to myself, what happened here? What? It shall be answered. Because they did what? They forsook the Lord God of their fathers. which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. 
laid hold on other gods, worshiped them, served them. Notice this last line. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. Time to quit playing church yet? Yeah, I think so. Way past time. We need to get serious with our God again. Be the Christians that we really need to be. Missions. Mission works across this world are affected because we have forgotten God. We'll never forget that. It's time to get serious. Time to get serious. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night that you've given us. Father, I do pray that you challenge us. To be the Christians, we, we really have to be. You've got to quit playing church. We, we need to seek after your face. We need to pray. We need to humble ourselves. We need to turn from our wicked ways. time for us to get serious. Way past time. Father, I just do pray you work in the hearts of people that are here tonight. Father, we thank you for everyone that is here. And God, we just do pray you do a, a special work in every one of our hearts tonight. God, I just do pray And I just do pray for this country, for our churches, the people that attend these churches. Father, may our hearts seek after you with our whole heart. Our whole heart. In Christ's name. As we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. As the piano plays. A serious but a real message. These have come, the altar's open.